Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans. Here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. Five fans to the two minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 84, the second of the current COVID 19 pandemic. But we are going to continue doing the shows, even though there is no um, fights happening, nor in the last couple of weeks or in the future as of right now. But there's always something going on in the boxing world. And also on the female boxing world. My name is Felipe Leon, and with me, like always, from Riverside is Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing? Very good, Felipe. Hi, everybody. And also in, from the Bay Area, California, Miss Lupe Gutierrez. Lupe, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Hi, everybody. Well, uh, today tonight. Something that we've never done before, but we had the opportunity to do it because obviously we have a lot of time on our hands and we were able to get together um, yesterday morning and actually record an interview with the current super welterweight IBF world champion, Mary Eve DeCary. I mean, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it in French because she did it for us and you'll hear it in the interview. And it's unless you speak French, it's, it's completely <laughs> unpronounceable. <laughs> and uh, we had the opportunity to do about a 20-minute interview with her yesterday. Uh, the fact that we weren't able to do it live is because um, out there where she lives in, in Quebec, it's a little bit later, a lot later. And even though the fight against Clarissa Shields has been postponed for the moment, she is still training and she needs to get her sleep in. But she was so gracious to be with us prior to that. And uh, well, earlier yesterday, and we were able to record the interview, and we'll be able to play it for you in a little bit. Um, also, at about 8:15 uh, Pacific time, so in about 45 minutes, we are going to have a live call from none other than amateur standout Isa Marie Aquino, Aquino, who has just recently signed with recognized uh, boxing manager Peter Kahn and who will be hopefully soon when everything goes back to whatever new normal we're going to have, she's going to be making her pro debut, and we're going to be talking to her about that, her life as an amateur, her quest for Olymp- for the Olympics, and her decision to go pro. But before we get into all the interviews and everything else, we got a little bit of news that we've been able to uh, put together here for the last couple of weeks. 
Just as a reminder, this is the two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world, and we do have a show every other Thursday here on blocktalkradio.com, and our next show is scheduled for April 30th here on Block Talk Radio at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. A um, couple, a little bit of news here. First off, former world champion Alicia Ashley, she used to be the WBC 122-pound champion, is stuck in Florida because of COVID-19. She has been working in Shanghai, China, since August of 2018. And if you follow her on social media, which I do, uh, she would share her journey over there where she works as a boxing coach. She left China uh, during the Chinese New Year, which is at the end of January, uh, and she actually left China in January 24th, expecting to return in February. Well, she hasn't been able to return. Obviously, uh, China was uh, the uh, the first country hit by the pandemic. Uh, obviously, actually, it's the, it's the epicenter of the pandemic, the Wuhan district. I don't know. I don't think she's in the Wuhan district or the Wuhan Providence. I, think, I don't know if Shanghai is there. I'm not too keen on no. Chinese geography, geo, geography, but uh, but she's still in China. Uh, so she ended up lo- leaving China, and after a week in New York, she went down to Florida for what's supposed to be only a week to visit her mother. And, and as of now, she can't go back to New York, where she lived for a long time while she was living in the state, or obviously China. She does state that she will be in Florida until at least. The summer is what she thinks will be the soonest that she can get back to her life in China. Um, that's pretty pretty interesting there from Alicia Ashley. Also, in more COVID-19 news, the WBC announced their atom weight, which is a 102-pound division, which is unique to the female uh, fight world. Their champion, Fabiana Bitiki of the Czech Republic contracted the virus in September of 2018. She became the first world champion from her country when she captured the WBC green and gold belt. She is currently 15-0 with one draw and with five knockouts. Since that announcement, there has been no other news regarding her condition. So we're going to go with the idea that no news is good news and that hopefully she's recuperating from um the COVID-19. So there is uh, at least one uh, current boxer that has con- contracted the uh, the COVID-19. So we wish her uh, a speedy recovery. Um, also, on uh, the last week, Clarissa Shields, after after we had Cecilia Bracos here on our last show on April 2nd, she went on and did a another another so she did a social media interview with Eddie Hearn, uh, her promoter, on Instagram and Facebook Live, and then she also did another interview with another journalist on Instagram. And obviously, um, a lot of the questions have to do with uh, a, a perhaps a pending Clarissa Shields fight. Why she's willing to do it? Why she's willing not to do it? You know, that's besides her scheduled fight at one point or another against current junior lightweight champion, no, junior welterweight champion, uh, Jessica McCaskill, and then perhaps also a fight which could be against the winner of Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. But obviously, Clarissa Shields is a big name in the sport, if not one of the biggest. And a lot of people want to know if it's a possible fight to put on between undisputed champion Cecilia Brekus and 
undisputed champion uh, Clarissa Shields. So, like she shared with us here on our last episode, episode number 83, if you haven't had not had a chance to listen to it, she mentioned that so far the dollars have not made sense in making that fight. When they were talking of possibly making the fight, according to her and what she shared here on the show, there were three offers on the table. One was from The Zone um, to sign a multi-fight deal with them. The second one was uh, a fight back in her home country of Norway to go back home and defend her titles there. And the third highest or best bid was from Showtime to face Clarissa Shields. So she stated here that if Clarissa Shields truly wants the fight to happen, then she needs to go back to her, her to her bosses, meaning her being Shields, as Breakhouse stated or put it, and that she needs to go and ask him for more money so that it makes sense. So Clarissa Shields, after listening to, I don't know if she listened to our interview, but after listening to other interviews and, and basically the same thing that Breakhouse uh, was stating via uh, on different platforms, she made a, a public counter offer on her social media, which she tends to use a lot. And she said uh, she counter offers Celia Breakhouse on social media with, uh, and I quote, Listen, Cecilia, you and your team said you wouldn't fight me at 154 pounds, only at 150. So I have something better for you. I'll fight you at 150 pounds, and I'll fight you in Norway. Lupi, what do you think about that statement from Clarissa Shields? I think she'll do it. She wants to do it. Um, but Cecilia, Cecilia's at a point in her career, like she said, you know, if there's no dollars, it doesn't make sense. I mean, she's at the point in her career where why go and do something that will get her hurt? Hmm. I mean, she she has to be smart about her choices now. I mean, she's older. Um, she's royal, considered boxing royalty in, in her country. And why leave on a sad note for herself? She can be choosy, and she should be choosy. David? Yeah, I agree with Lupi. I think uh, Cecilia is basically going after the bigger, the biggest money fights out there. And she, based on what she said, uh, it's just up to the money. If uh, if Showtime uh, ups the ante, then she, she and uh, and passes the offers from the other fights, uh, such as the Katie Taylor Amanda. Serrano winner, or even Cyborg, I, I think, is in the in the running too. If mm. if uh, an offer can surpass those offers, then I think she'll take it. But I, I think she's just going after the the money right now. Hey, Felipe and David, she yes. is in this mini tournament, fighting the best close to her weight. I mean, this mini tournament can be epic. I mean, what is it? Cecilia, it's uh, Amanda, Katie Taylor. Yes. Um, McCaskill, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, right there, that's just, that's unbelievable for female boxing. Mm-hmm. I think and so, that's too. that's what she should be taking. That's what all those girls should be taking, those kind of fights, because mm-hmm. they can. Why step down or, yeah, why step down? Why, it, it's all about um, 
the money, of course, and making uh, an explosion in female boxing, especially on her way out. She doesn't have many you know, years left, so this is amazing. David, right, Felipe? Yeah, yeah. no, it is. I mean, nobody can uh, degrade those fights. I, I think what it is is that Clarissa doesn't want to be lost in the shuffle either, and she mm-hmm. is uh, the best American fighter right now. Yeah, I mean, I have some thoughts. Um, well, first of all, by Clarissa Shields stating that she'll fight in Norway, to me, knowing the boxing business, um, or at least I think I know enough of it, that she's kind of putting the the ball in Breakhouse's court regarding the pay. I mean, if we're going to be fighting in your home country, then you are the one that has to make the offer to me to go to your home, even though I'm saying I'll go fight you in your home country, but now it's going to be your promotion. It's going to be in an arena in your country. It's going to be on a network that you're, you're, um, you know, familiar with. And now you're going to have to make me, meaning Shield, an offer. Because I would find it hard to believe. I mean, Showtime can buy the rights from the Norwegian TV network to broadcast the the uh, the event, but I would find it mm-hmm. hard to believe that Showtime would actually invest in a whole production from Norway for a female fight. I mean, obviously they have done a, uh, some a lot of investment in female boxing as putting on Clarissa Shields as a main event and yeah. promoting her uh, a lot on their network, but. Doing that in the United States to actually paying for a whole production from a different country and in Europe, then that's plus paying, you know, um, what Clarissa feels demands, which is in the six figures. And then obviously what Cecilia Breakus will demand for that type of fight as well would, would also be in six figures. Where we're probably talking close to a million dollar purse between them. Um, you know, I think that would be a big investment. I don't know if Showtime is willing to do that at this point. Um, so I think that by saying that I'll go fight you in Norway, um, and that way as well, taking that excuse, if you want to call it that, from Breakus is a big statement from Clarissa Shields. Uh, as far as Shields being left out, like you say, David, um, to a certain extent, because in her weight class at 154 pounds, there really isn't the names that you could compare to a Jessica McCaskill or a Katie Taylor or Amanda Serrano, three names that are very well known in the United States and in female boxing, whereas at 154 pounds to find opponents of that caliber, the only one that could be somewhat recognized in the United States is um, Anna Gabriels at 154 pounds. Yeah, that's very true. Because she has been a uh, a uh, an opponent of of Shields before. And lastly, a question to Lupe first, and then David: Is Breakos does not face Clarissa Shields, and doesn't face Layla MacArthur, which is a question that we posed to her here as well on our last show. How do you think it impacts her legacy? within the sport once she retires. Lupi? I personally, I don't think, okay, Layla McCarter, I don't think 
as a great champion that Layla is, and a lot of people still don't want to face her, I think that people don't, I don't mean to be rude about this, but a lot of the fight fans don't really care about that anymore. There are mm. circles they do. But I think there's a collectively they're like, oh, they don't care as much about the Layla McCarter fight. And the Clarissa fight, I think the people who, who don't really understand boxing, they're like, well, why don't you fight Clarissa? They don't understand, like, the weight differences and stuff and, and the age difference and, and the business part of it. So um, I don't think that will affect her, her legacy as much. What I do think will, hurt, will her, affect her legacy is not giving um, Callie Reese, KO, a rematch. I think mm. that's the fight that will affect her legacy. What about now fighting um, Shields? I think more than fighting Shields because of just the weight differences. And But KO knocked her down in that fight mm-hmm. and, and got the win, and, and there's a lot of controversy over that. And I think that's the fight she that will tarnish her legacy. Before, her. Going, to, before going to David's um, re- response to the question, I just want to point out that by Lupi saying that Perhaps people won't care about the Layla Carter fight. It's probably the boldest statement that Lupi has ever made on this show in her in her stay here on the show. So I want to applaud you on that, Lupi, because that was pretty pretty bold statement there. Um, Davis, go ahead. Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, um, I think that because Cecilia is a European fighter, she needs to well, in terms of American audience. She needs to beat American fighters, mm-hmm. and in many ways, she's like the Klitschko brothers. Yeah, they were world champions for a long time, but in the end, they were fighting guys, uh, mostly Europeans, and fighting in Europe. And yeah, they didn't get beat. And and uh, what ha- what happened is that they basically killed the the heavyweight division. It was in slumber for twenty years almost. And True. the reason was they didn't want to fight the Vander Holyfield. They didn't want to fight James T- Tony. And in a way, it did hurt their legacy. Mm-hmm. But if Cecilia does fight uh, uh, Jessica McCaskill and wins and does fight the winner between Katie and Amanda and wins, then, then she'll be okay. And and I like the fact that uh, Lupi said about uh, uh, Kelly Reese. I think, yeah, that would be another impressive win to go back and fight that girl that knocked you down. That's mm-hmm. another great fight. Now, I somewhat agree with your statement about being a European fighter, but I think, I don't know if it's a consensus because I never asked this question before on this panel, but I think that throughout the boxing world and when, and it really, it kind of caught steam and it picked up when the ballot came out for the 2020 International Boxing Hall of Fame, where we all know it's the first time that women were to be included on that ceremony coming back in June. We know that it's been postponed to Mm -hmm. June of 2021. But a lot of people, even that are not like big female boxing fans or um, journalists, stated that for them, the greatest woman to ever live, the greatest female boxer ever in the history of female boxing to a lot of them is Lucia Riker. David, I don't know if you guys agree with that, um, but she was a European fighter. Do you think that 
that the legacy compares to a certain point where was she beating a, a good number of American fighters to be considered that in the United States, David? Well, well in, in many ways, she was an American fighter. Even though she was really of, of a Danish uh, uh, descendant, she, um, I mean, that's where she was from, Holland. She fought out of the U.S., she lived in Detroit with Emmanuel Stewart. She trained with Freddie Roach. She was basically here. And mm-hmm. she was fighting Americans all the time. Uh, with Cecilia, was a, it's a little different. She she mm-hmm. just lately started fighting uh, Americans here so that p- Americans could really see her, her, uh, her talent. And uh, that's what I'm talking about, the American viewpoint. Because basically... There's, you can fight outside of America, but you really get the recognition when you fight in America because this is the, the center of the boxing universe. This is why all these boxers from all over the world, men and women, come to the U.S. They want that notoriety, that, that super fame, not just you know international fame, but they just want that super fame. Well, there you go. Um, we have a, a little bit more news, very interesting conversation that we're having here, uh, but we do want to keep up with the schedule of the show, and we need to get to our interview with uh, Mary Eve DeCurry, so that way we can have time to talk to Issa Mary Aquino at the allotted time for her. So I'm going to go ahead and play the interview with the IBF Super Welterweight Champion calling in from Quebec, Canada, yesterday morning, Mary Eve DeCurry, and like always, our our fearless leader, Mr. David Avila, takes over with the first questions. Here we go. Hi, Mari. Uh, how do you pronounce your name? Mari uh, Dicard? Well, I'm going to pronounce it the French way, and uh, you can like okay. uh, adjust it in English. It's Marie-Ève Dicard. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you always want to hear the you right way. Say, you could just say Mary. Mary is fine. <laughs> okay. So, Mary, tell, tell us, how did you get involved in boxing? Uh, how did you discover it? Well, actually, I discovered boxing. I was 24 years old. Um, I was involved in martial arts for a long year, long time. I was five when I started martial arts. And I was watching the Olympic game on TV. And then I realized that I really wanted to, like, be part of the Olympic. And karate was not an Olympic sport. So um, one of my friends just, like, said a joke to me. He was like... Uh, well, you have two choices, whether you go Taekwondo or you go into boxing. And I just answered like, well, I think I could punch better than I can kick, so I'm going to start boxing. And that's how I started boxing. So so you were actually in the amateur program in uh, Canada? Yes, I was uh, part of the national team. So um, I was uh, involved into 50 amateur bouts. I wish I could have had a longer amateur career, but since it's not so popular, so developed, uh, pretty much I feel like I had no more uh, goals to accomplish. So that's why I decided to turn pro. And what is is boxing like in in, uh, your area of the country? Uh, So do you live in uh, Quebec? Yes, I live in Quebec, so that's why my English is not that perfect because I'm a French speaker. Um, but actually, oh, okay. boxing is pretty popular. <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually, boxing is pretty popular here. A lot of people do it to train. Uh, there's a lot of amateur competition going on, um, although it's not as popular like uh, in the U.S. or the U.K. or places like that. Uh, professional boxing is starting to be more and more 
popular people get involved into it. Uh, but it's, uh, I think we're doing pretty good. Yes, I've always been uh, told by by people in Canada that boxing is is pretty popular. That most of the events are filled uh, uh, with a lot of fans, and that uh, you know that it shouldn't be overlooked in your country. But um, uh, what was your? So- oh, sorry, I did it. Uh, you can uh, you can end your question. Go ahead. Um. So, um, what were some of your favorite fights as an amateur? Who are they against, if you can remember? Um, amateur, I used to love the competitions really much, like uh, national championships or Quebec championships, or uh, because they were on several days. We could ha- like uh, we could have like three, four fights in like uh, many days, like back to back. So I used to love the the challenge of uh, fighting, then getting ready for another fight just uh, the next day. So I used to love it a lot. And uh, also, I went to the ringside, which uh, two years in a row, which I, I won. Um, and I love being in the USA to see how boxing was popular, to see how big it is. Because uh, here in Canada, we don't have like this kind of huge event like that. So I would say boxing, the, the ringside was a, a really amazing experience for me. Uh, do you remember, are there any uh, fighters that are pro now that you, that you box as an amateur? Uh, a lot of them, uh, I would say, especially men, though, uh, women here, uh, it took a lot of time before women uh, got involved into uh, pro fighting. Uh, I would say I'm pretty much one of the first ones to do the big step because uh, there wasn't a lot of future into women's boxing. But uh, in the mail, I have a lot of friends that used to be on the national team with me that are now doing really good as pro fighter, uh, holding titles like NABF title or youth titles or stuff like that. So I would say that I have a lot of friends. And what made you decide to become a professional? Well, actually, like you said, I was uh, doing good in the amateurs and I got a, an injury and my goal was to go to the Olympics. So um, with this injury, I was out of the ring for a year, and then I would uh, miss all the qualifications for the Olympics. So I was faced to the um, to, to whether I would stay on the amateur program for another four or five years, or I would do like the big uh, the big step on the. And I decided to go over on the pro to have new challenges because I didn't want to stay like four or five years as an amateur to wait for another like Olympic cycle. Oh, and and what was it like uh, when you? became a professional uh what was it like for you to finally uh box as a pro no headgear smaller gloves what was that experience like well actually that's really funny because the first time i uh i put like uh professional gloves uh the feeling in it in my hand i looked at my coach and i was like oh my god she's in trouble and then he told me, like, don't forget, she has the same glove as you, so protect yourself. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, actually, it was pretty cool. And also, um, I like pressure. I like the feeling of giving a show. I like uh, when fans are there to, to scream, to uh, to cheer. So, being in a ring as a professional is so much different as an amateur. And I really found that this was my place. It's like, I used to love boxing a lot, but uh, getting involved into the preparation of a professional fight when you can only focus on one opponent for several weeks, for several months, uh, getting ready for this big night, this big event, and then having people to cheer with. Uh, so it really felt like 
this was my sport. This was my place. And, and so far, what, what has been your favorite fight as a professional? Uh, I would say my world title when I uh, won my uh, IBF world title against Chris Namus. Because uh, mm-hmm. most of my fight, I used to be like um, uh, most of, most of the time winning all the rounds, like being in advance on the scorecards. And then for the first time in my career, I after the third or the fourth round, I was I was late, I was behind, and I had to uh, work with my coaches to find a way to uh, be able to to win all the other rounds, to adapt the strategy, to adjust. So I had to dig dig like really deep uh, in order to do that. And at the end, uh, the result was uh, a victory. So uh, I was, I think it's like my my best moment because the feeling of digging so deep, like looking uh, so hard, working so hard, and at the end, like uh, ending out with the the world title is uh, it was amazing. Well, what did people tell you after you won the world title in in your town and around uh, where you box? Actually, it was pretty great because uh, I was uh, becoming the first uh, female from Quebec who ever won a world title. So in a way, I kind of uh, marked the history, uh, which is in a good like, which is for me uh, a life goal. Like uh, I'm boxing because I love boxing, but it's also to inspire people to achieve greatness. So uh, to me, I was able to uh, to go into schools to to talk to people and to try to uh, like get people to have faith in themselves, to believe in their dreams. So it was, uh, it was a really good feeling. Uh, I'm going to pass you on to Lupe Gutierrez. Thank you very much for, the, for, uh, for this interview. But thank you very much. Buddy. My pleasure. Lupe. My pleasure. Okay, Lupe. Hi, Maria. Hi. How are you? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing yourself? Um, we're good. Thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure. So, Mari. Great. Madi, you're a tough, you're tough, you're a heavy hitter, and you're a beast in the ring. But you're also this happy, outgoing, beautiful spirit. So how do you turn that off when you step in the ring? Well, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, um, for me, it's a way to balance. Uh, like you said, I'm a happy person. Like, uh, I live in a colorful world of rainbow and uh, every morning I wake up with a huge smile like uh, people are a little bit tired of my happiness uh, but I don't know when I get in the ring um, I get like all this emotions aggressivity and um, being tough for me it's inside of me so I think uh, like I say often to people uh, like people in the street they go like well I'm not gonna tease you I'm not like gonna try to get you because uh, you know like you're pretty tough I'm like no, at the end of the day, like, I get so many punches in the ring, in the gym, that at the end of the day, I'm just, like, so peaceful. <laughs> so I think it's a way to balance these two personalities. <laughs> yeah, that's a gift that you have. And I think as so. You said, as you said, um, at five years old, you started karate, and you were, by 11, you were a black belt, and you won the Canadian yeah. Championship. Where does that work ethic come from? Was it a name? Or was it learned for you? Uh, I think yeah, I was kind of the way born with it, but actually I've been I've been taught so with my mom, with my aunt in the in my family. Uh, we're like always achieving what we do is like you start something, you do it your best. You that's what we showed like uh, my mom's, my aunt. They showed us like really young 
Um, and when I got that into martial arts, uh, the learning was like being pursued because my karate teacher was the same. You start something, you're doing good, you do it your best, you, you try to improve every day. So I think uh, I was like facing that really young. So it just got into me. And now as an adult, I don't, like, I don't even think it's, it's just like I do something, I do it my best and I go all the way. Yeah. And, and now look at you. That's awesome. You well, know, actually, you, yeah. fought, you fought more than 50 fights in less than four years as an amateur, right? Yep. And did you bring yeah. that fight anybody? Did you bring that fight anybody anytime approach to the pros? And are you satisfied with the level of competition? Um, actually, no, I haven't bring any fights from the amateur to the pro. Uh, I've heard a lot of uh, girls that I fought as amateur uh, starting to turn pro right now. So maybe in the future years somewhere, uh, I'm going to face them. Um, and also, I, I think I'm like pretty much satisfied of the level of opponent I faced since the beginning of my career. They, uh, they have put in front of me like really good opponent with a lot of experience, uh, a lot of knowledge. Most of the time, I, I was the one with the less fight, less experience. Uh, going up weight was also a big issue because uh, amateur was boxing at 140. So uh, to be able to go 154 and to face bigger, stronger girls, I had to do a, like an adaptation to that. So um, every fight was a challenge, was a lesson for something I had to learn. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty happy about it. But I also think that in the future years, a lot of really good fighters are going to come from the amateur and are going to increase the level of pro boxing for sure. Yeah, you're right about that. So last year, one of the biggest fights was Clarissa versus Christina Hammer. And Clarissa pretty much controlled that fight. And then the same thing with the Habazin fight. She, pretty, she controlled both fights. They both, both of those fighters, um, they both talked a good game outside of the ring, but they couldn't back it up inside. So what are you bringing to, this, to the Clarissa fight that will change that and give the boxing fans a great competitive match? Well, I think um, the experience that I have in the world title fight, world title fight is going to be a really uh, good thing for me. Um, also, it's a really huge opportunity for a little girl from a small town here in Quebec uh, having to face the uh, pound for pound champion, so it's a big opportunity, and I think it's gonna uh, be a, a good fight for me to to rise above that. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. So hopefully, is it rescheduled yet? Uh, it's not officially rescheduled. We're looking for some date, but for sure, uh, before that, we're gonna have to see what the government decides about the like all the measures that are being taken right on to fight uh, against the, the virus. And for the moment, the priority is the safety of everyone. So uh, we're going to wait, yeah. I think, uh, for the government measures to be over. And then we're going to be able to find a date. But I still stay active. I still box. I still train. Because I think as soon as uh, we're going to have the okay, this fight's going to be one of the first ones to be uh, scheduled. Yeah, and we can't wait. We're looking forward to it. Hey, Maria, yes, thank you so much. It was, it was great talking to you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. I was happy to be there. Great. Felipe? Yes. Uh, Maria, let me ask you a couple of questions, and then we'll let you go. Thank you for uh, being here with us. Um, 
Why did it take you? You have 17 professional fights. Why did it take this long to finally have you in the United States? Um, I think because my promoter wanted to uh, build something big in Quebec. Uh, he wanted to have like um, for me good uh, good experience because um, going into US could be uh, really a big challenge. Could be uh, huge for my career but you don't have many chances to impress. So uh, we wanted to make sure we were ready and then we would get there uh, once we're like really ready for it. Now, every one of your fights has been in your hometown of, of Montreal, Quebec. Um, so with that said, how do you mentally prepare to step into the hometown of your next opponent, Clarissa Shields, once that fight gets made, how do you get ready to have everybody against you and not with you like it's been at home? Yeah, that's going to be for sure a big, uh, a big challenge. But I work with a mental preparator, uh, sports psychologist that is well-known with a lot of uh, Olympic athletes. So that helps me a lot. And also, I'm fortunate enough to have a big background as an amateur in uh, boxing and in karate as well. So I've been traveling all around the world all around the world since I'm really young. So I've been to Italy, France, Spain. I've been to the U.S. many times before. So um, I think, like, all that together is going to get me ready to face uh, Clarissa in her hometown. Now, you'll be the only – you'll be the second Southpaw that Shields has faced in her pro career. I mean, I'm sure that in her extensive amateur career, she has faced – uh, some before, but as a professional, you only be the second southpaw with the first one being very early in her career. Do you think that that is some kind of advantage for you? Um, I think it could be an advantage if, uh, um, in like putting this way, but I'm pretty sure Clarissa is going to be like well prepared for that. And uh, I think in the ring, it's going to be a really good challenge. Now, my last question for you, Marie, is, what do you think is your best tool to defeat Clarissa Shields once you guys face? Um, my best tool, I think um, my speed is going to be something really interesting. Uh, since the beginning of my career, I, it's always something I have an edge on everyone. So I think my speed is going to be my best tool. Okay, well, Marie, we want to thank you once again for being here with us. Before we let you go, why don't you go ahead and let all our listeners listeners know uh, what your social media is, your Instagram, your Facebook, and that way they can start following you on there if they're, they're not already. Yes, so all my uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's all my name. Uh, for people who can pronounce it, Marie Abdicat or Marie Abdicari, as you uh, pronounce it in English. Um, <laughs> most of the time, I'm going to post French stuff, but... I'm working on to translate because now uh, I'm trying to meet people from all all around the world. So uh, English posts are going to be coming up soon. (laughs) Good. Thank you very much for being with us. And I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Okay. You too. Good night. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. We had uh, the... IBF Super Welterweight Champion Marie Eve DeCary on our show. First time that we do an interview that way where we pre-record it, but I was uh, pretty happy with it. Two uh, observations off the top uh, for me is that 
I can't believe that she actually thinks her English is not good enough, which I think she speaks perfect English. And second, um, one thing that we were touching on before we went on to the interview is the fact that, uh, like David stated, uh, every fighter wants to come to the United States because this is where they're going to probably get their best purses and also their best recognition. David, what were your impressions of uh, Marie Easy Carey? Uh, she's very well-spoken, and she seems very confident. And um, I like the fact she believes in her speed. Uh, that's going to be uh, – if she has the speed to match uh, Clarissa Shields, that's going to be some kind of fight. Lupi? She seems pretty confident. She seems like um, – she has a great spirit, you know. I love the positivity. I think this is going to be a really, really good fight. She's undefeated. Um, I don't know if people, many people know too much about her, and I think it's going to draw the fight fans to this fight because they, you know, I mean, Clarissa's a controversial character. So many people love her, and there's some people who want to see her beat, and I think this is going to be a good fight for, for uh, boxing in general. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that... Um... You know, she's polished. I've seen, like, some videos that Lupi sent to us in our, in our chat. And, um, you know, she's, she's polished. Um, she seems to be pretty active. She has some experience. A lot of it, not as much as Clarissa. Obviously, I don't think anybody has as much as, uh, experience as Clarissa in the amateur ranks. But, like she mentioned, she was in uh, combat sports from an early age. She was in karate since the age of 11. So, she knows what, I mean, she's 33 years old. So for two thirds of her life, she's been giving, you know, punches and, and at one point kicks and receiving them as well. So she's very comfortable, you know, facing somebody. And I think that's an advantage for her over a lot of the opponents that Clarissa has had in the past. And the fact that she's polished and, and, and has been kept busy by, her handlers in Canada. Now, one thing is that out of those 17 fights that she has as a professional, she has no knockout. So even though we might think she's mm-hmm. a heavy hitter, she's not as heavy to be able to knock somebody out. So it's, it's power is not a threat that Clarissa needs to be worried about. Then, and can she be a better boxer than Clarissa Shields? I mean, she seems, she seems to be a little bit taller than Clarissa. She might have a longer reach. So would she be able to use that against Clarissa? We're going to have to wait and see, and hopefully it's sooner than later to be able to find out what happens in that fight. Yeah, but Felipe, when you watch those clips and David, did you notice like mm-hmm. when she hits, her, her, her movement – She's in and around, like she um she doesn't she goes around the body. I mean she's in and out, but not just in and out. She's in and out and around. I love that about her foot movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she seems very polished. She seems like she 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 knows how to fight. That's that's one thing. And you know, Clarissa has obviously faced other fighters that knew how to fight. Anna Gabriel's who dropped her who sent her to the canvas, who was a, was willing to mix it up with her um, in there, um, who was a good fighter. She's kind of a good technical fighter. Franchon Cruz, 
<clears throat> French on Cruz to me, I mean, I, I, I love the way she, I, no, I'm not going to say I love the way she fights. I believe that she still has a lot of a big amateur, um, um, a big amateur style. And we've spoken to, about it here before that Clarissa Shields has been able to develop her pro style. And I think that would, that's what would help her in the second fight. I mean, if anything, we saw Frank, I mean, Franchon Cruz has less than 10 fights and she has, she really showed a big amateur style against um, Jimenez, which ultimately made the fight close enough for her to lose those titles. And, you know, then everything that has gone on beyond that with Jimenez. So I think it's going to take somebody a lot more polished than Franchon Cruz to be, uh, uh, Clarissa Shields, and and I'm not saying that the carry is, but it's pretty close because another fighter that was pretty polished, but seemed that wasn't ready for that type of spotlight, and what it meant to have Clarissa Shields staring down at her from across the ring was uh, Christina Hammer. You know, Christina Hammer had the experience; she had she was undefeated, she had the pedigree. And she froze. In my opinion, she froze. She didn't do what we all expected her to do in that fight. Not that she we expected her to beat Clarissa Shields, but we did. I, I don't think that I'll be talking out of training and saying that we all expected for her to give a way better fight than she did um, against Clarissa Shields, David. Uh, I actually expected exactly what happened. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I figured that Clarissa... When I saw Clarissa fight at the Carson uh, uh, in the StubHub, and I saw that speed, I had never seen that kind of speed from any female fighter. I mean, not at that weight. Mm-hmm. And she was a blur. And I said, I can't see anybody beating Clarissa for a long time. Mm-hmm. Not, not at that weight. Anything above yeah. 140, I had not seen that kind of speed. I mean, uh, from the smaller girls, yes, like a Melinda Cooper at 118 was that fast. But mm-hmm. this is Clarissa Shells at 168, 160, throwing these blurring combinations that you could barely see. And that, I mean, to me, she just seemed like she was going to dominate uh, Hammer, and, and that's what happened. Yeah, I felt yeah. like we were David. Sorry. I mean, I felt like we, were, we had to go through the motions for this fight. You know, Kristen, it had to happen. It was like, let's just go through the motions. She's going to beat her. Um. I did think, you know, when it came to that fight, it was it was an, another exciting before the fight as well. I think Hammer, the way she came out before the fight, she on social media, she was so rough and tough, and and then it kind of like fizzled in the ring. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, you talk so much, mm-hmm. a good game outside of it. You know, I mean, it was unlike, it was totally the opposite of Marlene versus Tanisa. A lot of. Uh, crap talking before, but sure, they sure, you know, showed it in the ring. I mean, it was like, but it didn't happen for Hammer and Clarissa. I agree. Now, before we, uh, we're waiting for um, amateur standout from San Antonio, Texas, Miss Isamary Aquino to call in and talk to us about herself going pro. Let's touch on a, another news note here that does have to do with Shields. Uh, according to her promoter, Dimitri Salida, former fighter himself, now the head honcho of Salida Promotions, despite all the buzz regarding a possible fight against Leila Ali, that's something that we've been hearing for months. And even in February, I think it was, Leila Ali went on to a pretty predominant ESPN show 
and basically publicly and the biggest platform that she could find called out Clarissa Shields. According to Salida, there has been no progress in talks of actually making it happen. Salida says he reached out and after an initial discussion of business terms with uh, Layla Ali, there hasn't been enough to say it is going to happen. So now with uh, what's going on right now with the pandemic and pushing everything back as far as boxing and the rest of the world, by that matter, you know, she's 30, she's 43 years old. Let's say that we don't have um, boxing until the fall. Obviously, Clarissa Shields has to face um, Mary Eve DeCary, who we just had on a recorded interview, and we would have to wait until maybe the, the beginning of the next year to possibly see a Shields Ali fight. Lupi, at this point, do you think that fight ever happens? No, I didn't think it was ever going to happen. You know, I mean, they it, they talked a good game. I mean, it was you know, all it did. Okay, all it did was make Clarissa in certain circles look bad. Because I mean, I follow I, I follow social media. I follow, I follow everything, so I I see where it started. And I see where it went between Layla and Clarissa. So I know where it started and I know where it ended. And all it did was make Clarissa look bad for picking on an older um, icon, uh, Muhammad Ali's daughter. And it wasn't fair, you know. I mean, Ali, Layla, basically, she's just too old, period. So it wasn't ever going to happen. So it just made Clarissa look bad. But I wow. do know where it Layla. started. I do know where it started. You know, Layla made some comments, and Clarissa took it and ran. But nobody really saw that. You know, all they saw was that Clarissa was taking on an older woman. Yeah, I Layla, think... Did um, you ever see this fight? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of like... Um, I kind of agree with exactly what Lupi said, that I don't think it's going to happen. But I like it. I I, I agree with you. But Clarissa is keeping her name out there. Exactly. Wow. Loopy's on fire tonight. On fire calling people old, you know, talking about everything, this and that. Loopy's on fire tonight. I love it. Hey, Felipe, Um, can I say something? Can I say something? (laughs) I've been on this lockdown, (laughs) what? I don't even know how many days it is. I've been homeschooling my son all these weeks. I am on fire. I'm freaking bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, our next guest, our next guest, uh, amateur stand-up, Issa Marie. I hope I'm pronouncing, I'm pronouncing it right, right, uh, Lupi? Issa Marie Aquino? Yeah, Issa Marie Aquino. The darling of Issa the Marie Aquino. There you go. From San Antonio, Texas, she better watch out because Loopy is on fire, and we do have her on the line now. <laughs> so let me patch her on there. <laughs> Hi, Issa Marie. Hello? Uh, 773-592. Are you there? One second. Hello? Okay. 
Go ahead. Say hello to uh, Issa Marie. Okay, hello. Hi, Issa Marie? Uh, yeah. Hey, how you Hey, how you doing? This is Felipe from uh, Two Minute Round, your host of Just Look at the Female Boxing World. Thank you for being here with us. And let me pass you on to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Uh, Issa Marie, uh, thanks for calling and uh, welcome to our show. And uh, so, so uh, so tell us a little bit about your background. How did you discover boxing and what uh, enticed you to put on the gloves? Um, so I actually started boxing when I was five years old. Um, my dad took me to the boxing gym um, just to learn self-defense, how to defend myself against really anything. Um, I actually hated training from the very beginning. I hated everything to do with boxing. But um, as I got older and I started competing and I started winning more and more um, fights and tournaments, I really started to fall in love with the sport. And then I made Team USA at 15, and like the rest of history, I just started, um, like, really dominating at the time, and I just fell in love with traveling and everything about the sport. Well, what are some of the things that you love about the sport? Um, just the overall feeling of being in the ring. Like, um, being in the ring is just kind of peaceful in a way, like, like even though, like, I'm getting punched, but it's it feels like, I don't know, like, it's just a weird feeling. Like, only, like, really, like, boxers will understand, like, it's, like, no place anywhere. Like, it's just, it's a great feeling to be in San Marino. And you you come from San Antonio, and San Antonio in the last 10, 15 years, they've been developing a lot of really good female fighters. Was there any uh, female fighters before you that you used to look up to? Um, I actually grew up in Rockford, Illinois. Um, I moved okay. to San Antonio when I was about, like, um, 11 or 12 years old. But when I lived in Rockford, there was a girl in my gym that um, ringside was, like, really big, like, back in the day. And she had one, like, ringside, like, two years in a row. And, like, I really admired her for that. And then when I moved to San Antonio, like, the boxing scene was just so much bigger here. And there were just a lot of, like, pro females and, like, I just wanted to be like that. Do you remember any of those girls that you used to watch? Who they were? Um, no, not really. But like, um, from Team USA, like it would be like definitely like Clarissa Shield and like Christina Cruz and then like that. Oh, interesting. Uh, Issa Marie, I'm gonna pass you on to Lupi Gutierrez. She she follows the amateur boxing world really strong. And you probably know who she okay. is. But uh, Lupi. Yeah, for sure. Hey, it's Mary. One of the best in the hey, nation girl. at 125. One yes, of the ma'am. best in the nation at 125. Congratulations thank on you. going pro and signing with Peter Kahn. It has a lot thank of fight you, fans thank talking. You. It really does have a lot of fight fans talking. Usually, you know, no, you know, you little whispers of the girls going pro. But this one, like, it came out strong. And I think... Your beautiful poster had a lot to do with it. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to let our listeners know that you and Lupe Gutierrez won our Boxing Meets Beauty 2019 Fight of the Year. You both are incredibly smart boxers and definitely left it all in the ring. And it was a real crowd pleaser at the 2020 Olympic Trials in Louisiana this past December. 
Yes, it was. So it was definitely it a great was. fight. So it's a marriage. I've been following your amateur career for a bit, and we ran into each other mm-hmm. at the 2019 Western Qualifiers in Reno. Yep. I didn't uh-huh. get a chance to talk with you at the Olympic trials because, after all, you were up against our girl Lou in the 125 yeah. division. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, with that being said, Yaricel Ramirez is a good friend of yours. And like yes, yes. you, is one of the darlings of USA Boxing. You took the win mm-hmm. over her at the trials, and obviously you don't yeah. have a problem fighting your friends. So no. my question is, I mean, like, we're, yeah, friends outside the ring, inside the ring, it's a whole different story. Yeah, so, okay, my question is, how and when did you overcome getting in the ring with girls that you love and giving it your all to come out on top? And can you tell, of a, tell us of a time that you were, in fact, conflicted in the ring? Um, well, I guess I never really had a problem fighting my friends in the ring, um, as, like, bad as it sounds. But it's, like, when you get in the ring and after that first punch, like, you kind of forget about, like, who they are, like, what they've, like, done. Like, you just want, like, it just, you just black out kind of. Like, it's like, okay, I'm here. Like, I have to fight. Yeah, we were, my sister and I were front and center for that fight. It was a good one. That was a good fight. It was. It was a really good fight. It was. And, you know, you are so loved by USA Boxing. Michael Campbell, who's the event programs coordinator at USA Boxing, he recently said, she's special to me. Biggest event that I ever did in the Gulf LBC was the first Texas Women's Championships with her. And your coach, Brian Mays, who I love, he always raves about Mm -hmm. what he calls his boxers, my face punches. So what is it about you that attracts all the love and is that what helped to get you that sweet deal with Peter Kahn? Honestly, I have no idea what attracts people to me. But um, I guess I'm, like, I'm just genuine. Like, I don't, I don't lie. I don't, like, talk bad about anyone. I don't like any drama. I just, I'm just me. And I know, I just know who I am. And I don't know, I just, I don't give off any bad vibes, I guess. But overall, like, I'm really blessed to have people around me that want to work with me, want to help help me, like, um, succeed in life. Yeah, you're on a great path, Issa Mary. I have one last Thank question. You. So what do you want for your first fight? Do you want a special? Or do you want to step in that oh. ring for the first time with a fight anybody, anytime statement? Um, honestly, I don't know. Um, with the whole pandemic going on, I really have no idea when, um, like, any fights are going to resume. But I'm ready whenever whenever they want to give me a fight date, I'm ready. You know, I, we can't wait to see um, you step in that ring for the first time. We really can't. And um, thank you so much <laughs> I for coming you. on. We're glad you did. I know this is all new for you. You know, and you're just at the start. I mean, yeah, it is. It's a new chapter. Yeah, it is a new chapter, but you've been in that amateur um, circle for a while, so you're ready. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's, it was great talking to you, Mary. Felipe? Yes. 
first off, Isamari, thank you for being with us on the show. Uh, second, um, your name is, is pretty um, unique. I've never seen it before, actually. Where did it come from? How did yes. your mom or dad or both together um, come up with that name? Um, so my mom's name is Isabel, and my dad's name is Mario. So they kind of just put it together, and they got Isamari. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, th- I kind of had an idea that that's where it came from. Not that I knew your parents' yeah. name, but it was kind of like a mixture of two names. Um, so yeah. it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I like it. I like it. Um, Thank you. Is it, do they say, is it, they didn't say, it's not Isa Maria in Spanish, or is it Isa Maria? That's on your birth certificate. Yes. Spanish and English, kind of, but like a lot of people can't say Isa Maria, right? So they'll say like, is a Mari, is a Mary, and um, just however you can say it. Now, Lupe mentioned that you were one ranked as number as uh, one of the best in 125 pounds. We know that um, the other Lupe Gutierrez is also part of that weight class as an amateur, and also Andrea Medina. Now, in the uh, post release, the press release that was sent out uh, earlier this week regarding your signing with uh, Peter Kahn. It mentioned that you were going to be fighting at 118 pounds. Is that correct? Yes, sir. It is? So, yeah. why 118 pounds if you've been competing at 125 as an amateur? Um, were you fi- really fighting way out of your weight class as an amateur at 125 pounds? Last tournament or at the Olympic trials, I really, like, cleaned up my diet. And I was actually so low in the Olympic trials just walking around. I was at 122 the whole week, and that was just, like, eating normally. So I see no problem with making it down to 118. Mm-hmm. Now, what advantages do you think you would have at 118 versus what you had at 125 as an amateur? Um, just definitely, like, me going down to a lower weight class will definitely give me a strength advantage, a height advantage for sure, and I just feel like I can just dominate the weight class. Now, you mentioned that you started boxing at a very young age, five years old, and you being a young lady, um, it's obvious that you have made some sacrifices as far as, you know, maybe your social life. Uh, Were you able to have, you know, like a non-boxing social life by that I mean were you able to go to prom were you able to have boyfriends or uh, of anything in that sort or has always been boxing 100% um it's I would like to say like it wouldn't like it wasn't like the complete kind of like social experience that I would like like I would have liked to have as a teenager but I definitely like did go to high school I competed in different sports in high school. I went to, like, homecoming. I would go to the football game. Um, I went to my junior prom. I didn't get to go to my senior prom because I was actually competing in, like, the Continental Championships with Team USA for my senior year. So I definitely missed a lot of my senior year. But, like, as far as, like, boyfriends, I didn't have any boyfriends. Like, my dad didn't allow it. So, But for the most part, I feel like I had a very good mix of Go for it. What other sports did you uh, uh, compete in in high school? Um, I competed in varsity track and cross country, and I was actually captain of the cross country team and the long distance track team. 
Now, was that were those sports that you chose because you were obviously you run because you're a boxer, so you got to run to get your conditioning. Yeah. But also because they were non mm-hmm. because they were non-contact, and that way the risk of possibly suffering a an injury was reduced by just being running and not like basketball where you could hurt a hand or an ankle or softball where you could get hit by a ball or something. Um, was that one of the reasons <laughs> you chose that or was it just because you kind of like to run? Um, no, I actually just kind of like to run. So I had been running since middle school and I was actually like good at it. And I got recruited for like my the high school team like to start running and I went like varsity like right off the bat. And I was actually planning on pursuing running. I was going to go to college for running. But then I did all the stuff with Team USA, and my boxing career, like, took off. And so, like, I focused less time on my running and more on boxing. Female boxer, do you admire that's a professional right now? That you that when you hear they're going to fight, you don't miss it. You, you get in front of the TV and you watch it. What female fighter is that? Um, to be honest, um, I'm not really too big on watching boxing, but I for sure look out for um, Michaela Meyer. She's like, just from like knowing her from Team USA and like talking to her, like I always like check out her fight. Now, now that you say that, obviously you probably don't, who, who handles your, I mean, obviously Peter Kahn, who's your recently signed manager, um, uh, is going to handle your career as a professional, but you lean a lot on your dad on kind of like which direction you expect your career to go. Like maybe like they're the ones that are going to be making the decisions. You're just going to get in the ring and fight. And um, mostly my coach, I lean on like what my coach says and um, I, other people like that are part of my team that who follow my career. I ask them for advice mostly. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Issa Marie, for being with us. And before we let you go, why don't you go ahead and share your social media accounts so that way people can follow you on this new journey and they can say that they started following you from the very beginning. Awesome. Um, so you can follow me at Issa Maria Aquino on all social media platforms, um, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Okay, Ms. Aquino, well, we thank you very much for being here on our show. We are sure it won't be the the last time, and we hope uh, we wish you all the luck in the world, and when boxing resumes, we'll be sure to keep an eye on All right, yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye, you too. Bye-bye. And there you have it, Ms. Lisa Marie Aquino. And, uh, well, she's going to be embarking on her pro career after, um, you know, trying out for the Olympics, obviously, at 125 pounds. It was pretty tough. Lupe, you're the one that follows the uh, amateur uh, world a lot more than David and I. Would you say that this last uh, Olympic uh, cycle at 125 pounds, it was possibly the most competitive in the female class? It sure was. The fights were incredible. And, I mean, there was one fight. Um, it's a Mary and Lou was one of them. There was um, Lupe versus Roxy from SoCal. So it was a Northern California versus 
Lupe Gutierrez from NorCal and Roxy Verduzco from Southern California. I mean, the roof almost mm-hmm. caved in. It was amazing. I mean, the energy mm-hmm. at this past Olympics was unbelievable. And I guess because female boxing, I mean, it is where it is now. I mean, it was it was incredible. And well, you, you know, how tall What is that? What's that? Uh, how tall is she? She mentioned that she's tall for her weight. How tall is she? I don't know. She's probably a couple oh. inches. I'm five foot because she's probably a couple inches taller than me. Okay. Wow, so so she's like five eight. We're all that's short. how tall I am. We're all short. We're all shorties. <laughs> yeah, but five eight at five eight at one eighteen, that's pretty tall. No, I'm five foot. So she's like, Oh, you're five <laughs> foot. Oh, she's I thought you said you were yeah, five. Yeah, we're like when we talk, we're like pretty much eye to eye, you know? Oh, okay, okay. But you know what's interesting um, with this with this Olympic trials that came, I've noticed whoever you know didn't make it as the Olympian or the the alternate. There's so many girls that are turning pro this year, and yeah. a couple of them. There's two that I know that turned pro and actually got their fights in at the beginning of the year. But with with the COVID nineteen, I mean, all of their it's all put on hold and there's a, a lot of yeah. them that are going pro. And it's a marriage. Now here's, 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 yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know how, you, you know, when you hear the girls that are going pro, it's kind of like a little whisper or, or I ask, are you guys interested? Nah, not really. But with this Mary, with the COVID-19 and, and with this Mary, I mean, this one, it, it um, had a lot of people talking maybe because it was with Peter Kahn and it's is known as one of the USA boxing darlings, but it had a, it had more energy to it than a lot of the others. Mm. That were going pro. Yeah. I think, uh, older, too, I think she, she yeah, this, this class is pretty, this class is pretty heavy duty. The female class was just, there's so many there talented women. Mm-hmm. This is the most I can remember. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? And David, that's what I was going to there's a few girls and um, one over here in Northern California. Once they heard, they saw Lou, Lupe, Roxy um, going at 125, they dropped mm-hmm. and they went to 119. So there would have been even more, but, you know, they know their limits and they dropped, you know, they went lower. Felipe, what were you going to say? Well, no, that's what I was going to say, that you mentioned, like, um, well, maybe, maybe I don't follow amateur boxing, obviously, as much as you do, and David doesn't either, but, and, and maybe yeah. because I'm kind of here in Tijuana, which is right across the border from Chula Vista, where Andrea Medina is from, and obviously, it's been a big buzz around here, the fact that she's going to go to the Olympics, and she's the first San Diego to go to the Olympics, and the fact that I've known her since she was probably, like, 13, 14 years old, then I know of her, but, and I kind of followed her little run towards the Olympic bid, so I've heard of Loopy, and obviously following the beautiful brothers, I knew Loopy, but the other names that you mentioned, like Roxy. Um, Roxy's very good, and, I've seen her twice. Yeah, yeah, and, and Asa Maria Kino now, like, all those names that are recognizable to me are the ones that are 125 pounds, and you would mention some of the other girls, that are in the other weight classes, either up or down from 125, I probably wouldn't recognize. So yeah. So that, with that said, that was the most recognizable weight class 
for this Olympic run, the 125. It was. I mean, it was tough. I mean, Lupe was a, was the seventh seed, and she went into the Olympic trials as seventh seed and came out number one. You know, I mean, it's a process, and it goes on. You know, and here we are with Andrea Medina, who, when we are all all about female boxing, it really is all about female boxing. And Andrea Medina, she is um, the first Mexican-American out of San Diego. It's still California. We're Californians. So we're, all, we're backing her up. Mm-hmm. And you look at her on her social media, and on Felipe, you interviewed her and loved her. I mean, she has that – she's the girl next door. She's a college student. She – she speaks very well. She, you know, she has freckles on her face. She, her social media is tight. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. 125, and not just in the boxing ring. 125, when you put the in the boxing ring, on your social media, your, your background, it, it's very competitive because we're not just looking at in the – I don't just look at it in the ring. I look at what kind of person you are outside of the ring as well. I mean, you know, these girls have a lot to compete with across the board. They got to compete with now, everything. Now, you know, I, I'm sure, I mean, I didn't ask this at Grand Medina, but just by, uh, by knowing her dad and, and, and the family and everything, I know that I'm pretty sure that if she wouldn't have made it to the Olympics um, for 2020, that she would definitely be going pro because there is no way that I think that she would have waited for another cycle. Um, being Aquino, Issa Marie, being that she's 19 years old, obviously – and being that she was in that weight in that weight class that was so competitive, and she had Andrea Medina to contend with and Lupe Gutierrez to contend with, obviously she's going pro now. Do you think? I don't know how old Lupe is, and I don't know if, how old Roxy is, but do you think they're that they're going to wait out another? They're both eighteen, so they're going to wait out another cycle, or do you think that they'll be going pro, Lupe? Well, Lou is she's nineteen, going to be twenty, I believe. Um, uh, last we spoke with her, she was going to wait for 2024 and very confident mm. with that. Um, she plans to continue her college, um, maybe going into law enforcement, maybe boxing for the army. I mean, you know, at that age, you're throwing things around and you're trying to decide what you're going to do. Um, what, whatever she decides to do, we back her. Um, my sister Blanca, who heads the beautiful brawlers, she will, she makes the decisions with Lou and her team. So I think she'll, she'll be making the right decision, whatever she plans to do. But right now it's 2024 right now. But then again, mm-hmm. you know, at well, that she's age, still young. always changing. Yeah. She's still young because I mean, even if you see like a Mikhail Mayer, which uh, Tino uh, mentioned that is one fighter that she does look out for. She didn't go pro mm-hmm. until like her late twenties because she started boxing at seventeen and she tried mm-hmm. for the Olympics. So there is yeah. precedent in waiting another another cycle. Um, so there you have it. Uh, you know, Issa Marie Aquino. Unfortunately for her, she went pro going going pro right now. I mean, it means like she has to wait, like she said. And before we move on to the next, the last two news notes that I have here. Loopy, I want to pick a bone with you because you did uh-uh. mention to Aquino if she wanted a Tijuana special, and I take offense to that <laughs> because I am in Tijuana, oh you know, and that's that's very rude of you to call a a easy fight a Tijuana special because <laughs> an easy fight can happen anywhere, okay? No. 
So. Oh, my God. Okay. First of all, like I said, I've been locked in I don't know how long. And the first three weeks, I had to teach my son. And my son has special needs. I mean, I'm up to here. I mean, so I guess it's coming out. But at the same time, Felipe, seriously. Yeah. And I, and may, that is probably rude to say because Mexicans are tough fighters. They're, they're probably the toughest fighters in the world. I mean, because we're Mexican. You know, I'm Mexican. But, I, but I'm mm-hmm. talking from, I know some fighters who they pay to fight in Tijuana just to get those easy oh, yeah. fights on no, no, the no. at it. And that's what I was saying. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm really not talking about the Mexicans because Mexicans are great fighters. My dad, Javier Babyface Gutierrez, came to this country as a fighter. I mean, he was, they're real fighters, mm-hmm. true fighters. I'm just talking about the fighters who they start out and they want to go to Tijuana, not that underage ones, because, you know, the 16-year-olds going pro, I understand they want to go to Mexico to get the fights, but I'm talking about the ones who actually go to Mexico to pay the housewives, the, the gals out there, to fight them when that's what they're doing, padding their, their, their record instead of going out there and saying, you know what, let's go all in, fight anybody anytime, and just, let's do it. That's what I mean. I don't mean to be insulting. No, no, I know. I just mean, you know, I mean, are you <laughs> going to go in? Are you going to go in all in? Or are you going to go in, you know, with half a foot in? That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. She says she is in San Antonio, uh, Texas. More than likely, she will be going for a Ciudad Juarez special because that is a lot closer to San Antonio mm-hmm. than Tijuana is. So that would be the Ciudad Juarez special, not the Tijuana special. But uh, no, oh yeah, oh yeah. So <laughs> moving on, uh, moving on to our next news note: the current undefeated unified and undisputed lightweight world champion Katie Taylor agrees with Breakus when she says that if she beats Serrano, meaning she being Taylor, and faces Breakus, it would be a historic fight. It would be the first time an undisputed fighter faces another undisputed champion. Undisputed champion faces another undisputed champion, at least in female boxing. Taylor mentioned it would have to be at a catch weight of 142 or 143 pounds max because she says that she walks around that weight at 142 or 143, so she wouldn't be willing to go more than that. The Taylor versus Serrano fight is tentatively rescheduled for July 4th in Manchester, England. So, at 142 or 143, I mean, we did speak to Breakhouse, and she mentioned that the uh, Jessica McCaskill fight was going to be at 145, and she did mention that um, that she's not a big welterweight. And although she didn't all out say that she would be willing to go down lower than 145, she did open a door to negotiations. So I would believe that she would be more than willing to go to at least to 143 or possibly 142 to make the fight. So my question first to David, do you think if Breakhouse dropped to 142, it makes the fight against Taylor all that more competitive? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I, I, I think it's kind of dangerous for Cecilia because uh, it is a lot of weight and it's draining is not good for any fighter. And uh, I mean, Especially the men, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the older you get, the harder it is. And uh, I, I think it's kind of dangerous for her. I mean, if they set it at 145 
And if Katie wants to come in at 143, so be it. But uh, if I'm Cecilia, I won't go. I wouldn't go below 145. Mm, good point. Good point. Lupe? Yeah, David said it all. With the key word, dangerous. Yeah, dangerous. You're right. Now, uh, lastly, originally slated for May 9th in Puebla, Mexico, both the current WBC 118-pound champion, Mariana Barri Juarez, and Jackie Nava, assured their fan base their fight is happening. They did that last week during a joint social media live stream. Both Juarez and Nava said the new date and details have not been set by their promoters, but both mentioned they're only looking for the fight against each other, while Juarez stated that despite no new date, that is the next fight for both. So that is good news that, you know, we've had this fight fall through last year when both of them faced different opponents. I think it was in August of 2018, I believe. And, um, and they were supposed to fight that fall. The fight fell through. Um, both of them kind of leaning towards they couldn't get to the money. Now they got to the money. They're ready to fight. Unfortunately for all of us, including them, the fight obviously was postponed. It was originally supposed to happen on May 9th, and now we have to wait for a new date. But the good news is that they are staying in shape. I've been following both of them on social media, and they're both working out. And um, and that there is a fight for next. Now, another thing that we touched upon on our last show that we can radiate here is that Fernando Beltran, who is uh, the promoter for NAVA, has stated that he's looking for ways to uh, bring boxing back to at least Mexico in, in June. And we would believe that this fight will be one of the first fights to be made. And also, Promociones del Pueblo, who handle Juarez, uh, have also kind of alluded to the same thing. So hopefully this fight does happen sooner than later. But it does need to happen this year, if any, because both of these women are are almost at the end of their of their careers, hitting almost 40 years old. So there you have it. Anything else you guys would like to add? No, I'm good. Hey, can I ask you guys now, can I ask you both now with the evolution of female boxing, doesn't the amateurs um, spark a little interest for you? It's exciting, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's, it's really ramping up. uh, I was really impressed when I went to the, uh, beautiful brawlers tournament that they had up there in San Francisco while doing the uh, women's uh, hall of fame ceremonies. That was pretty impressive. I mean, they had so many talented, uh, 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 girls that are fighting and um, that opened my eyes. I said, man, these are talented fighters there. Yeah. And if you, did you guys notice, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Lupe, finish up. So I don't know if you guys um, noticed this last week, um, Beautiful Brawlers and I, we had this uh, daddy-daughter challenge or contest, you know, send in your best clips of you and your dads working. All the girls who sent it in, there was a few older ones, they were all nine years old. We had a seven-year-old, a six-year-old. These were little girls sending in their videos. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah. No, I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, female boxing. Yeah, female boxing. I mean, and that's the one thing that, and David could attest to this better than, than Lupi and I because he's been following the sport for so long. But, you know, in the late 80s and the 90s, the one thing that was the big crit- critique of female boxing was that the 
talent pool wasn't all that deep. That you either had two or three or four fighters that were considered world-class or elite, and then you had mm-hmm. maybe a spattering of, of middle, and then you had a lot that, I mean, for lack of a better word, not good, you know? And yeah. little, slowly but surely, we're moving towards a more uh, deeper talent pool. We're not there yet, but it is deeper. But the thought of what's going to be in the next 5, 10, 15 years when those little girls that, that Lupi mentions are, you know, grown women and a lot of them are professionals, I mean, it's going to be as competitive as male boxing, no doubt. So that is something that we we can look forward to. And um, But obviously, everything that happens now is going to affect that time. So the, the better foundation that is set now, or not the foundation because the foundation has been set in the past, but the way that we keep building now is only going to make it that much better for, for those young women that are that – are, are, getting into the sport now at that early age. So, I mean, when did you, I mean, Christy Martin didn't start boxing at five years old. Lucia Riker didn't start boxing no. at five years old. Cecilia Brekus didn't start fighting at five years old. And now we have 20-year-olds in Andrea Medina, and, and I understand them too because those are the only ones I know of, and I'm sure there's more, Issa Maria Aquino, who are 19 and 20 years old, who started boxing at five years old. You know who else started boxing at five years old? And David could attest to this. Oscar de la Hoya started boxing at five years old. I mean, that kind yeah. of fighter, Vasily Lomachenko, started boxing at five years old, you know? So that, that Eric Morales started boxing at five years old. Those are yeah. the kind of fighters that, that, that started boxing at that young age. And now we're seeing those women do it, you know? And we're going to see more women do it. And that's just going to make the talent pool even deeper. So that is very, very exciting. And to answer your question, Lupia, why I don't follow female boxing or the amateur boxing a little bit more, it's because it's kind of hard to – and now with social media, I guess it should be getting a little bit easier and with video streaming and everything, it's to actually see the fights because obviously amateur boxing doesn't get, you know, a lot of uh, – I mean, it did now because we we're going to the Olympics, and I did see that fight. I was able to watch the fight on my computer – um, where uh, uh, Lupe uh, Gutierrez beat Andrea Medino at the at the U.S. boxing uh, trials, uh, but little by little we're going to be able to do it more and uh, and see these women coming up and going into the pro. So I'm yeah. sure we'll be yeah, doing that. But since Felipe, like since since Blanca mm-hmm. founded Beautiful Brawlers, so she's been doing ten years of shows. So we're watching. I mean, we're seeing, she had on Heaven Garcia when she was a little girl. Heaven Garcia is now at the Olympic trials. There's um, yeah. Lupe Gutierrez now at the Olympic trials. She, uh, Mariana Gonzalez, all these little girls that are now at the Olympic trials. And Jessica Guerra uh, now sparring with Cecilia mm-hmm. Brackett. Daisy Bamberger, 11-time national champion. Now she's going to be 2024. We're watching these little girls who were here at the shows. And, at, and when me and my sister Blanca were sitting there in Louisiana, I, I looked over at her, and she was, like, quiet. And she goes, all these little girls, they all started up Beautiful Brawlers. And look, I'm watching them now. It was a pivotal moment for her, for us, me being her sister. It was very emotional, and it was a beautiful thing. And now, I mean, we're going to see it, man. The surge is here. The, the future is now, you know. I mean, all those little girls at this recent contest, the Daddy-Daughter Challenge, it's just – it's. It's a beautiful thing, and that's what we're all about, right? I mean, female boxing. Yeah, that's the tidal wave. When the uh, tidal wave has arrived. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Whether you have wipe your, your, wipe and, uh, your tears, thank Felipe. You. Felipe, wipe your tears. Uh, I know you have one in your eyes. Um, the girls are, are going to dominate you. the world. Yeah. We thank you for um, for being here on the show with us. Uh, we thank Marie DeCary for uh, being with us yesterday and recording that interview with us. We thank Issa Maria Aquino and Bernie Bermichel for making that interview happen. And we thank you for listening. Our next show is scheduled for April 30th, Thursday, 7.30 p.m. here on blogtalkradio.com. All right, guys, here we it. go. Bye, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye, Bye, guys. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.